Happy Mother's Day to all your mothers out here. Let's stand and worship God together. I'm 
Good morning, everyone, this morning. Good to see you all here and all the mothers in honor of them today. Um, it's just really good. Uh, lost my mother last year, so it's first year with her. Um, anyway, it's uh, how life goes on. So we just honor and thankful for everyone that's here and uh I really enjoyed reading Pastor Glenn's thing on the back about mothers. His mother was is very precious to him still. Um, let's read the call to worship together. 
Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we can all be here this morning. And just uh, we think about our mothers and honoring them. And uh, also realize what part they play in teaching us about your love. And we thank you so much for that. And uh, we just pray that you will bless this service and the time that's shared, the songs, and the message. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Uh, scripture reading now. The scripture reading today is from Acts for, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem... Those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, and the wild beasts, and the crawling creatures, and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house, in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea, the Spirit told me to go with them, without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here, and he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon, all, upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also, after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted it down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the re repentance that leads to life. for reading that passage of scripture. Thank you, music team, for that selection of songs this morning. Very good. Thanks, Larry, for leading our service. And uh, special welcome to all our mothers here. I wish you all a happy Mother's Day and hope that uh, the service would be a blessing to you. Although the service is not geared to mothers this, this year, uh, let's pray that it would be a blessing to each one. So as we look into this particular passage, where we're going to look this here in a second, the passage that was just read, let's, uh, let's just uh, bow, our, bow our heads and open our hearts and just pray to ask God for his guidance. Lord God, we just ask that you would help us to understand what this passage is saying to us this morning. It's your word, it's given for all your people at all times, for all people of all times. It's always relevant, it always has something to say, and uh, we need to just hear it and open ourselves to what it is you're saying. So, Lord, as we go through it, I pray you'd guide my thoughts and guide my words so that it is you speaking to us and not me speaking, and that you'd help us all to hear it as from you, and we could all apply it. 
as you'd want to supply in our own specific lives and circumstances. So Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. The story is told of a mother who thought the sun rose and set on her young son. He could do nothing wrong in her eyes. <laughs> According to her, he was the most gifted, the most talented, the most intelligent, and just more everything than any other child his age. Other people didn't quite have that impression of him, <laughs> but that was the opinion of the mother. At any rate, this mother always loved marching bands and really pushed her, have her boy join in the school marching band when he was old enough. So the time came when he joined the school marching band. And the band's first public performance was in the community's uh, local parade. And so as a mother, there was a mother in the crowd just watching for the school marching band to pass by. And when they came by, she cheered louder than everyone else for her son in the school marching band. After the band had passed, the mother remarked to those in the crowd around her, she said, did you notice that everyone in the band was marching out of step except for my son? <laughs> of course, as you know, being in a marching band means that you need to march in step with everyone else. And everyone needs to march in step with the beat of the music. And the beat, of course, is kept by the drummers in the marching band. And uh, if you don't march and step with them, if you march something, march and step with something of your own making, you're obviously out of step. So you march and step with the beat of the drums, who they, of course, are in turn, they're guided by the conductor of the band. So that's a bit of an illustration for us as Christians as we live our Christian lives. And even for us as a church in doing what we need to do. We need to be in step with and we need to be in tune with our conductor who is of course Jesus Christ. He is the one who directs. He is the one who is moving and working in people's hearts and he does so through and through the Holy Spirit of course. And we need to be in tune with what he is doing and how he is directing. That's what this passage in Acts that we come to today is teaching us. The passage is Acts 11, 1 to 18, which Shauna read. Uh, it's a continuation of the story that we looked at last week in chapter 10. Uh, in chapter 10, those of you who were here last week, you remember that God directed Peter to go to the town of Caesarea, to the house of a Roman centurion named Cornelius, and to preach the gospel to him and to his household. God did that by orchestrating some divine events to make that happen. Because Peter needed that, or he wouldn't have never done it on his own. He needed that divine direction to get him to actually do that. Being a good Jew, Peter did not associate with Gentiles. They were unclean, godless pagans. You don't associate with them. As Jews. So to think that God would be interested in the Gentiles hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and having the opportunity to accept Jesus as Savior and become part of his eternal family, that was so far removed from his way of thinking that he couldn't even conceive of it. And that despite the fact that Jesus had more than once told them to preach the gospel to people of all nations. So some divine intervention was needed to get the apostles to wrap their mind around this and obey Jesus' command of bringing the gospel to the Gentiles as well. It came in the form, in this instance, of an angelic messenger coupled with a vision. The angelic messenger came to Cornelius in Caesarea. And the message was to send some servants to Joppa to get Peter to come and give them a message. The vision came to Peter in the form of an object lesson. A sheet, as it were, lowered from the sky containing all kinds of clean and unclean animals along with the command for Peter to kill and eat. 
Now, Peter, of course, would have none of that because he was a good Jew. So he would say, no, Lord, I'm not going to, nothing ever unclean or unholy has ever entered my mouth. I'm not going to do that. But, but this scenario was repeated for Peter three times, this vision. And just then, the messengers from Cornelius arrived. And the Holy Spirit told Peter that these messengers had come for him and that he had sent them and that Peter should go with them. The messengers told Peter what the angel had told Cornelius, and so Peter began to get an inkling of what the vision of the sheet and the animals was all about. So Peter went to Caesarea to the house of Cornelius. Cornelius had gathered his friends and relatives, and Peter preached the gospel to these Gentiles, and they obviously were convicted of the truth of Jesus and his death and his resurrection for them. And they were placing their faith in Jesus even while Peter was preaching. And even before Peter finished, the Holy Spirit fell on this crowd of Gentile listeners. And they began to speak in tongues, just like the Jewish believers experienced on the day of Pentecost, back in Acts chapter 2. And so then Peter, upon seeing that and realizing what God was doing, uh, Peter gave the orders for them to be baptized. So that was chapter 10, which we looked at last week. Going on today in chapter 11 we see that the apostles and the Jewish Christians heard about this back in Jerusalem. And so when Peter got back to Jerusalem, they took Peter to task about this. He went to the house of a Gentile to uncircumcised men and even ate with them. That can't be good. That can't be of God. So then in response, Peter told them the whole story. Of what had happened. That's what most of chapter 11 is. Peter retelling the story. And so upon understanding then what had happened. And what the Holy Spirit's role in all of this was. And upon hearing the results. When the Gentiles believed in Jesus. These other apostles and Jewish Christians realized that. God was doing something that they hadn't anticipated. God was reaching out to the Gentiles, and the gospel message applied to them as well as the Jews. Now, that was a stretch for them, but to their credit, they recognized the work of God for what it was, and they got in tune with it. And in so doing, I think they left us some good examples. As Christians, we need to be in tune with what God is doing. And we can better get in tune with what God is doing by learning from the examples here in Acts 11, 1 to 18. So just two that I want to bring out here. Um, you may find more than two, but two that I'd like to bring out. Number one, recognize when God is at work. Recognize when God is at work. I think we need to give a great deal of credit to the apostles and the Jewish Christians that are mentioned in this passage here in, in Acts 11. What was going on involved a big change in their way of thinking. The Old Testament law for the Jews was pretty clear about the clean and unclean foods. As a Jew, you didn't eat unclean foods. You didn't even touch or come into contact with an unclean animal. And any good Jew could take the Old Testament scriptures... And show you chapter and verse where it was written about the clean and unclean food laws. And as a Jew, you didn't associate with a Gentile. You just didn't do that. And the biggest reason for that, likely, is because these Gentiles were unclean. And they were unclean because they had no scruples about cleaning unclean foods and animals. So they were regularly eating unclean foods and regularly in contact with unclean animals. Thus they themselves were unclean. So to visit the home of a Gentile was to come into contact with someone who was unclean. And even worse, if you ate with a Gentile at his table, for sure you were in contact with the unclean. Even if the food served would have been okay for a Jew, the kitchen and the preparations and so on would for sure been, have been in contact with, with unclean animals. 
So it would have automatically rendered all of the food unclean. So that's why eating a meal with a Gentile in the Gentile's home was such a big to-do for, for, for a good Jew. Now, these were ceremonial laws and ritual laws. We looked at that last week, the difference between them and the moral laws. But for the Jews here in chapter 11, they viewed them as just as binding and just as powerful as the moral laws. They didn't, they didn't make a distinction, for the most part, between those two, the moral laws and the ceremonial laws. And as the Jewish Christians came to understand in the passing of time, those ceremonial laws were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And were no longer necessary, especially for Gentiles who became Christians. But it took some time for the Jewish Christians to wrap their minds around this truth. And that's the reason why the Jewish Christians took issue with Peter going to the house of Cornelius. So I think we need to give these Jewish Christians here in chapter 11 and the apostles, verse 1 kind of says there's some of the apostles in Jerusalem, they lump them together. Um, I think we need to give them some credit because when they heard Peter's story and understood how God had directed the whole process and how the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles when they believed in Jesus, just as the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews when they believed in Jesus on the day of Pentecost, they realized that this was of God. God was obviously interested in the Gentiles hearing the gospel and the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles when they placed their faith in Jesus just like he did upon the Jews. They didn't have to be circumcised and become Jewish proselytes first. They just had to believe in Jesus. That's all. That's what the story of these events demonstrated. It was the work of God. What happened here was a work of God. And these Jewish Christians, when they heard the story, they came to see that, yeah, this was, this was God at work. So we better get along, along, uh, in line with that. And that's why I think you need to give them a lot of credit. Because when something is ingrained in your mind very strongly, it's difficult to change that. For the Jews, these clean and unclean laws had been ingrained in them for about a thousand years. So it was difficult for them to come to a new way of thinking. But these particular Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, along with the other apostles that were there in Jerusalem, they realized, when they heard Peter's story, they realized they need to rethink some things. And the reason they came to this realization is because they recognized that this was the work of God. God was at work in orchestrating this, this whole thing of Peter going to Cornelius' house and preaching the gospel to them and they accepting it, that was all the work of God. The angelic messenger to Cornelius, the vision given to Peter, the Holy Spirit telling Peter to go to the house of Cornelius. And it was all God at work. God had done this whole thing. God had orchestrated this whole, this whole thing. <coughs> and it was all ratified as the work of God, by the Holy Spirit coming on these Gentile believers as they place their faith in Jesus as Savior for the forgiveness of sins. It had to be the work of God. There's no way it could not be the work of God. And so if it was the work of God, who were they to oppose it? And that recognition of God being at work is a great example for us both for us as individual Christians and for us as a church. When God starts doing something and the Holy Spirit starts moving and it's obvious it is the work of God, we need to recognize it as such. Now, it, it does take discernment <laughs> and, and does take spiritual wisdom because there is much in our world that may appear on the surface to be something God is doing, but it's counterfeit. In fact, Jesus and his apostles warned us of this kind of thing many times in the New Testament. So we need to be discerning. 
But when you see something happening and it appears to be the work of God and it lines up with and is consistent with the teaching of the word of God and is advancing God's kingdom and drawing people to Jesus, promoting godliness and so on, we need to recognize that it is God at work even if it challenges some preconceived notions we might have. That is a good example that these Jewish Christians and apostles gave us here in this passage. Recognize when God is at work. Be in tune enough with God and, and the Holy Spirit within you who is hopefully filling you and guiding you. Be in tune enough with that to recognize when God is at work. And that brings us to the second example then. When you recognize God at work, get in tune with it. When you recognize God at work, get in tune with it. This is the next logical step. When you recognize that God is at work, you get in tune with it, and you get in line with it, and, get, and you go along with it. You start marching in step with our conductor, who is Jesus Christ. In our passage here, when the Jewish Christians recognize that what happened in Cornelius' house when Peter preached the gospel to them was in fact God at work. They realized from that that God was very much interested in the Gentiles hearing the gospel. So they too could have opportunity to place their faith in Jesus and repent and receive forgiveness. There was that realization there at the end of verse 18 where it says, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted to Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And, and it doesn't explicitly say so in this passage, but as you see, and we will see as we continue on through the book of Acts, they got on board with this. They realized that God is also granting salvation to the Gentiles when they believe in Jesus. And they got on board with that. And they started to include the Gentiles in their work of spreading the gospel. They realized God was at work and they recognized it and what happened with Cornelius and his household. And so they got in tune with it and they got on board with it. And they started preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And accepting them as fellow Christians when they placed their faith in Jesus. Peter, in telling his story here, made the comment there in verse 17. Um, made the comment, if, if God gave to them the same gift he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? God gave to the Gentiles the same gift, and he's talking there, the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured on them. If God gave to the Gentiles the same gift that he gave to us after believing in Jesus, and it was obvious that he had, then Peter says, who was I to stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? So that was Peter's defense to these people that were taking him to task about visiting a Gentile. Peter very wisely realized something here. God is God. He is in charge. It is Jesus' church. He's the head of his church. And so if and when he does something to bring people to himself, and when we see and recognize that, we had better get in tune and get on board. Because to not do so, and to resist it, amounts to nothing else than to stand in God's way. And Peter recognized that. Friends, what Jesus is doing may be outside our line of thinking, our way of thinking. It may not be in line with some of our preconceived ideas that we always assumed were biblical and godly, but in reality are more our personal preferences or our feelings. But if it is God at work, we had better put that aside 
and get in tune with what God is doing and start working with it. Otherwise, we end up standing in God's way and actually hindering the work of God rather than advancing it. At the time of the Reformation, or shortly thereafter, when the modern missionary movement started and was getting going, there's a story of a group of Christians who were asking a strong Calvinistic church that they're part of, <laughs> asking them for support to send some missionaries to some tribe in Africa, I think it was. Details are a little hazy in my mind about the story, but uh, to send some missionaries there to bring the gospel to these people. And some of the clergymen in the church were really resisting that notion. And reportedly, one of them made the comment, if God wants to evangelize the heathen, he will do it without your help or mine. <laughs> so to his way of thinking, and according to his theological understanding, God is sovereign and he will do what he wills no matter what and all things are predestined and predetermined by God's sovereign will and he doesn't need us to do his work for him. And so because of that faulty way of thinking, even though this clergyman believed it was biblical, <laughs> it was wrong. And he ended up actually standing in God's way rather than getting in tune with what God was doing and getting on board. By the way, totally off topic here. Here's a joke for you theological nerds. <laughs> what did the Calvinist say when he fell down the stairs? Boy, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> if you don't get it, come and talk to me later and I'll explain it to you. <laughs> so this is the second good example that Jewish Christians and apostles in Jerusalem leave for us today from this passage when you recognize God at work get in tune with it get on board with it don't stand in God's way even if it's something you weren't expecting or something that isn't according to what you might think or feel if it's of God we had better get in tune and get on board. So therefore we see from this passage a couple of great examples that we as Christians would do well to follow. Now we as a church would do well to follow. They are, number one, recognize when God's at work. And number two, when you recognize God at work, get in tune with it. As I mentioned, this takes, first of all, good biblical, Holy Spirit-guided discernment. Jesus warned of us about counterfeits and about Satan coming as an angel of light. He warned us about that. The Apostle John in 1 John told us to test the spirits to see if they are of God. So we need to be discerning. The Holy Spirit working through the teaching of the Scriptures needs to be our guide. But that's the point. That needs to be the guide. Our personal feelings, our perceptions, our convictions are not always a reliable guide. So we need to be discerning. But when it is obvious that God is at work, even if it is out of our comfort zone, we better get in tune with it and get on board. Or we may find ourselves standing in God's way. So that's a lesson from this passage in Acts. So we'll just take our time of silence again and I'm just, just encourage all of us just to, in the quietness of the moment, quietness of our heart, just open yourselves up. What, what is God saying to me from this here this morning? I'll just give you a few moments.
Amen. Music team, please. The next set of songs that we chose um, are ones, uh, well, this one I chose simply because of the, your title, which talks about getting in tune with God and come thou found, um, talks about tune my heart to sing thy praise and getting us aligned with what God is doing. I find my identity. 
one is he will hold me fast because I don't think you can sing you say without knowing um, who it is really that that holds us and who it is that that chose us and who it is that keeps us um, together
has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to Thank you for your singing.